Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, your local YA tipsy book podcast. Yeah. I feel like I always switch those words around just like a little bit. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not, but it feels like I do. I feel like sometimes you include book and sometimes you don't. YA and tipsy are always there. Book is debatable. Well, we got the two main points that I want to get across. <laughs> Yeah, you probably should want to get across book, because if we say it's a YA tipsy podcast, people may think we're teenagers breaking the law. That is true. You have a point. We're not. We're 26. YA, I usually just relate to books. You know, I I don't think I've heard YA in other contexts. I mean, maybe it's possible, but... I don't know. Yeah. Anyway... (laughs) Hey, let's Anyways. start with you. What are you drinking and how are you doing? I know. Oh my god. <laughs> 38 episodes in, I'm not used to this. I know. Uh, um, I'm going to mix it up. I'm drinking a plume and petal peach spritz, which is basically like a fancier, prettier version of White Claw. And peach flavored in a can. It has a very fancy can, as you can see on video. Sorry for those at home. Uh, but I bought it at Rite Aid when wow. I was picking up my birth control. So, you well, know. <laughs> I forgot that non New York and Connecticut states, you can actually buy alcohol in drugstores. <laughs> You can buy everything in a drugstore. Everything. They had, like, full giant handles, not a fifth, like, full handles of, uh, like, rum and vodka and everything at the Rite Aid. They were stacked. I thought I was in a Costco for a second and not a Rite Aid. I love that. It was hilarious. Um, But I did not need a lot of things so I just I saw these and the bottles or the cans looked really cute and the packaging looked really cute I was like "Mm, I like peach so why not try that and I actually really like them they're very tasty very peachy not very alcoholy so dangerous but delicious my favorite kind of drink um (laughs) I'm (laughs) god okay I don't know (laughs) I'm that stereotypical, like, basic bitch white girl who wants to go get all of the, like, extra fruity cocktails at a bar because I like all the fruity, like, sweet flavors. But then I'm also the opposite of that where you'll catch me up at a bar just ordering straight whiskey. Like, there's no in-between. I'm one of those two options (laughs) when it comes to, like, hard alcohol. (laughs) So... Yep. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Love talking about your alcoholic tendencies. <laughs> my alcohol tendencies, not my alcoholic tendencies. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> no, you know, you're not. I barely drink. <laughs> I know. I feel um, like the most I drink is when I'm like with you or with my parents. So. I'm pretty sure, like, the most I drank all of last year was when I was with you because of your parents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they have a good stocked bar. 
It's they hard. Do. They do. We're yeah. also in the middle of a pandemic, and I feel like we were all kind of like, let's let loose. I just love the amount of pina coladas we made as like a mini family. Oh, yeah. It was We were cute. just talking about that the other day. We were like, we are never drinking pina coladas again, or we're finding a different recipe. <laughs> it was so sweet. It, it was, was really, really so, sweet. Oh, so we were sweet. just talking about how like it was too much. Like it almost ruined pina coladas for us. Not as sweet as our alcoholic butter beer, though. That was very, very <laughs> sweet. I, I don't think I finished mine. You didn't. It was too much. And I feel like I tried to finish yours, too, and then I had yeah. to just, like, stop, because even for me, I was getting, like, a stomach ache because of how sweet those drinks were. They were good, though. They were just too much. You needed just, like, a shot full of, yeah. of one of them. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, um, that's a lot of alcohol talk. My week is good so far. Uh, you know, per usual, busy with work, trying to get ready to get Skyla here and ready for classes. They start next week. Um, so I have to go to a walkthrough at her school this week to, like, figure out where all of her classrooms are and, like, make sure she has a schedule, make sure, you know, she, uh is actually a student (laughs) that her locker works get her pe clothes like there's lots of things that i need to do this week and then i have to walk her through her classroom schedule get her comfortable with it take her to school starting next week um so i'm a little 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 stressed about upcoming parent it really is having a kid you you just like grew Oh, this would have been such a good transition. You grew in August. Like, well, you didn't grow in August. You, like, had an August. She just came I've inherited in an August. <laughs> but the good thing is um, there was not a giant massacre to make her True. or to bring her to me. So, like, positives. <laughs> She's like a little angel, not like a little monster. Yes. At least that's what I hope she's going to be. I don't know how teenagers are. I'm pretty sure I was a monster and I was well-behaved, so. I was 100% a monster. I, like, my parents will tell you horror stories when I was a teenager. I was not (laughs) easy to, like, I feel like you were the queen of sass. You just wanted to, like, argue for the sake of arguing. I, like, wanted to argue. I didn't ever want to, like, take their advice. I wanted to do things my way. Like, that's the kind of teenager that I was, and it was not good. We, like, my parents and I had a very strained relationship for, I would say, most of my high school years, and now we're fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. Teenage years are hard. I do not envy you. (laughs) What are you drinking? How are you doing? I don't know what I'm drinking. I think I'm drinking a Pinot Noir. Well, I know I'm drinking a Pinot Noir. I think it's from Sonoma. I don't really remember. I just opened the bottle and hoped for the best. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, my summer class just finished, so that is good. Um, I have a class coming up in the fall, but I have a bit of a break until then, which is nice. I heard. Did you get what you liked? No, I mean, like, I am I am interested in the class. I shouldn't say that. And, like, normally I would 100% take it, but it's just, like, smack in the middle of a Wednesday, and I want to take an evening class so I have the full work day, right? Like I was talking about before, and, like, 
I don't think I can get into the class I wanted to get in. There's a wait list already with like 16 students. And I'm like, I think the chances of me getting into that by the time classes start, it's, it's just not going to happen. But the good news is I applied to, well, I didn't really apply. I asked if I could get into a class in the Rotman School, which is the um, MBA, where the MBA program is at mm-hmm. Toronto. And the professor said, he was like, yeah, of course you can take it. Just figure out how to like get them to let you take it so um at least i got his acceptance so now i just have to email rotman which i did and see if they will let me in which would be really really cool to take a rotman class it has um ux elements in it so it's even better cool so that would be fun i hope that goes somewhere that was the most exciting thing to happen to me in the last week (laughs) i really like I went to my parents' house this past weekend. It was the first weekend. I didn't have any plans, so we played games. We missed you. Aww. <laughs> we got a new version of Jeopardy, which we were playing, and we got some new word game. Oh, you would have loved the word game. It's like kind of like Scrabble, but not. Like You're making words, and you're like twisting them around. You have to base it off of the last letters of the last person's word. It's very interesting. That yeah. sounds like a, a verbal word game that I yes. play. Um, in the car yeah. on road trips for you hours. Base it off of, uh, My mom hates uh, me, but I make her play it when I'm bored. Where, like, I'll say, like, apple, and then you'll go and you'll say, eat, and then I'll say, trampoline, <laughs> and you just go back and forth. That would drive me insane, though. <laughs> I love it. And you always try to end words um, in words that end in E because. That's the majority of words, but e-words can be kind of hard to come up with. Oh, it's, there's they so are. much strategy. It's fun. I one they time are. played it for five hours without repeating a word. Oh, my God. Well, with this game, you are given, like, almost, like, Scrabble-like Blocks. cards. Okay. Um, yeah, they just do it cards. And then you have, I think you start off with ten letters, and you have to use up all of your letters to win the round. So it feels like something you would have liked too bad that you can't play it with us um but yeah that's what we did um man i really have such a boring life right now i'm still in connecticut oh oh i'm thinking of buying a kayak that's exciting see all of my things that have happened to me are like these like very boring mundane like activities and stuff like ah i played a game with my parents ah i'm thinking of buying a kayak you have such a waspy life. You're like, I played this word game at my parents' no. house in New- upstate New York. And also, I'm thinking of buying a kayak for my Connecticut beach house. It's just East Coast academic parents' lifestyle. Uh-huh. I, th- I, th- I don't want to go a waspy. No, please. Waspy would be like if we also belonged to a country club, which, thank God, we do not belong to a country club. That's fair. I don't. I don't see your Vermonty mom belonging to a country club. I think the only reason she has thought about it in the past, and not like a country club, but like more like a golf club, is because she was interested in playing golf for a while, um, and that died really fast. So, yeah, it's the closest we ever got to that. I mean, but, but, if you join a fancy golf club, country club, thing that you basically have to pay to prove how rich you are, 
You'd fit in really well with Harker and everyone that pays to live in North City. Oh, that was a really good transition. Wow, I appreciate that so much. Every single <laughs> time. I'm like, where is she going with this? <laughs> I was like, are you going to accuse me of being like... <laughs> fancy (laughs) no it was no i would never accuse you of being fancy except for your clothing i would always accuse you of being fancy with your clothing well that i will take because i do strive to be fancy with my clothing (laughs) that is my one vice well actually one of probably many vices but (laughs) my proudest one (laughs) um but yeah we're talking about uh this savage song again yeah this week finally starting verse two which is exciting. Um, what's, what's so funny, too, is, like, I was going... Because I had been going back to some chapters to read parts, and I accidentally hit verse 1, thinking for some reason, like, oh, yeah, verse 1. We're on verse 1. And I'm, like, reading it without looking at the page number because I'm on my, my phone. And I'm like, this feels oddly familiar. Like, didn't he already go through this? He's, like, getting ready for school or something. And I was like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> We're on verse two. (laughs) Verse two, the chapter numbers repeat. (laughs) They reset. It's very stressful. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I know. It's like I got to always make sure my bookmark's in the right place. Because, like, with the tally marks being how the chapter numbers are reflected. Guess what? It's not (laughs) user-friendly. It is, it is not. Um, most of their lives are not user-friendly, I would say. Just in general. That is true. Um, but yeah, we're gonna dive into chapters one through three of verse two today, and we get some, like, good quality Kate and August interaction in these chapters. Which I'm really excited to talk about. So, Julie, do you want to kick us off and give us the synopsis for chapter one? Absolutely. So, verse 2, chapter 1, August is in class and the teacher is lecturing about the 10 territories, going over the size of them, and August is thinking about different characteristics of each one in his head, trying to imagine mountains and the ocean since all of Verity has, all Verity has our plains. Kids continue to randomly guess answers, and when the teacher starts to ask about the population of Grace, which is a place, not a person, <laughs> Kate gives him a precise number down to the thousands. August finds it ironic that they share history together since history will focus on Verity and V-City and their history is completely tied into their parents' political machinations. He is upset at how biased the class is, but keeps his mouth shut. He flashes back to a conversation he overheard that morning between Henry and Leo and they are worried Harker is actively breaking the truce or is losing control of his monsters. Leo wants to start another war over it and Flynn was trying to talk him down. Casually. Casually. August continues, very casually, August continues to zone out, focusing on slightly negative thoughts, while the teacher drones on about the history of the former U.S. and how each of the state's combined territories into the ten that there are now, after the government fell apart. Kate starts staring at his papers, and while the teacher isn't looking, slowly starts putting marks on it until she turns the area of Verity on his map into a monster, which makes him smile. Oh, our two little overly depressed teens. Emos! Emos! Anyway. (laughs) They are very emotional, it's true. Uh, Moving on to chapter two. Kate is trying to savor her five 
carefree moments in the walk between classes when a girl named Rachel comes up to walk alongside her, offering to be her friend. Kate ponders for a moment internally, wondering if she should go the route of being popular, but hates that idea because there are more important and less vapid things to focus on, so she refuses. The girl tells her she doesn't have to be like her father and that life will be easier if she is liked, and Kate tells her that she is worse than her father and walks away. In gym, she's enjoying kind of like being on the sidelines, laughing at everyone being bad at self-defense, which is what they're doing that day. But she doesn't understand why the school is teaching self-defense without weapons, because um, if you want to defend against a monster, you need weapons. Per Kate's observation, the teachers are horrible at teaching self-defense, and it's all just posturing to make people think that they're safe, though nothing that they're learning will defend them from any monster, let alone a rogue human. She's learned a lot of self-defense techniques on the off chance anyone tries to kidnap her, so the ineptitude of Colton Academy is frustrating her. She accidentally then laughs at a teacher demonstrating something, who then makes her come up and demonstrate a particular technique. Ten minutes later, she's in the school office for breaking that teacher's collarbone on accident. <laughs> the counselor rightly notes that this isn't an isolated incident given her past and wants to understand where her aggression is coming from. He offers her some pills for anxiety, noting her anxious behavior. Um, for example, she likes wrapping her fingers against her leg. And telling her she doesn't have to use the pills, but that they might help the stress from her past with her father and her mother and all the movements between different schools, and that they are better for her than cigarettes. She takes them, wondering how many people in North City are on pills living in a fog, though she takes them anyways as a, gest a gesture of goodwill and to keep the incident off her record and away from her father's ears. She goes outside considers the pill and realizes that if the counselor can see her frayed edges, her father will also be able to see right through her, so she swallows a pill dry and walks outside. First two, chapter three. August hears Kate coming while he's outside and she sits behind him on the bleachers. Eventually he says hello and she asks where he was, which confuses him and he asks her to explain. She tells him about the game where she pretends she is somewhere else. He says he likes the bleachers and stares at her eyes, which are almost a navy blue. She asks, she asks why he isn't in class, and he responds because of study hall, posing the question back at her. She responds it's because she got kicked out of gym for misconduct, and when she tells August why, he emits a small laugh, which surprises him. August is trying to figure out why he doesn't feel anger or fear around Kate, given her family, but all he feels is consonance, like they are two chords meant to be together. He is battling in his head on not getting too close but not pushing her away. She asks what brings him to Colton, and he admits his parents want him to socialize, which she comments he is doing a bad job at. <laughs> he agrees because he says he is not a people person, then asks what brings her to Colton. She rattles off the rumors, but admits only the burning down of school one is partially true, and she only did it because she wanted to come home. He's astounded she would, she would want to come back to V-City if she was able to leave, but she solemnly says it all she, she solemnly says it as, is all she has left. I just put your cute line. <laughs> and points out his tallies as his shirt sleeves had ridden up, asking if they are real. He says yes and admits she has won for every day without a slip. 
Did I say she or he? You said oh she, God. but he has one for every day with us. This is going really well today. <laughs> I believe in you. Thank you. He doesn't strike her as an addict, and when she asks what his poison is, he says life, which will kill you slower than cigarettes. They're so evil. They're really into, like, getting her to stop. I love it. <laughs> they hear a scream, but it's just some kids messing around on the field, and August doesn't understand why people scream for fun. Kate sees him gripping the bleachers, asking if he's okay, and he says he doesn't like loud noises. She sees his violin, which he, ad- which he admits he plays. Then he flashes back to earlier in the day, when he realized you had to sign up for a slot in the practice room, and it wasn't just the ID card that was necessary. He signed himself up for Friday afternoon, even though he isn't supposed to stay after school. Kate asks if he is good, and if he will play for her, because she likes music, but he says no. He can't quite find a lie that skirts the truth enough to tell as to why, but thankfully Colin calls over to him um, from the cap- to the cafeteria and August heads off, with Kate making a promise that she will get him to play. Colin asks if August, or Freddie in this case, has a death wish because there are faster and less painful ways to go about to go than associating with Kate Parker. That's such a savage, like, last line from Colin. Yeah. Damn. I mean, is he wrong? Probably not. (laughs) Well, I just feel like, okay, yes, she did burn down her last school chapel. And she did threaten another student, which I'm sure people talked about. (laughs) But she's never, like, she's not, like, actively out here murdering a bunch of kids. But she's acting like she's she's gonna. (laughs) She's very emo right now. (laughs) I know. I know. I just, uh, it feels crazy to me that you're in high school and the high schoolers are like, that one will be the death of you, but, like, literally, they may actually kill you. It's just so much more egregious than our high schools were. But to be fair, we don't live in a dystopian society that's overrun by monsters, so I guess it balances out. (laughs) Hopefully we never live in a society like this. Well... But, benefit, if we do, we won't be doing it from high school. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. We have graduated high school. If anything, we would probably be feeling the fallout more than the uh, post-apocalypse part, but... (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Comments. Chapter one. Julia. How does this make you feel? <laughs> so, okay, first of all, like, whenever they're, if they're, the character, right, has this secret or is supposed to act in a certain way, I get so stressed reading it because I'm like, oh, my God, like, what if they slip up? What if they do the wrong thing? What if, like, they're just, like, not careful? I don't know. And so the entire time I'm reading chapter one and he's talking about how, like, he really can't say anything. Like, he can't make it known the stuff he like it basically yes sit in the class and like be quiet and just like disappear right and so i'm sitting there like oh my god what if he is a smart ass raises his hand and says something and then like everybody knows that he's there and then his entire cover is blown (laughs) i was stressed for august Right, but you have to remember that August is not the smartass out of the two of them. Kate would be the one making shitty comments to the teacher. Yeah. 
August is too mild. August has it together. Yes. Yeah. He's eaten, so so he's probably feeling better. (laughs) He's very relaxed. Um, the whole bit at the end where Kate was like drawing on his map or whatever she was doing, which I like still don't fully get what how I can't visualize that. Um, it was so awkward. It's like flirting without flirting. It's like flirting, but what like emo kids it's would emo do flirting. back in the day. <laughs> it just <laughs> reminds me of like when you had all the emo kid, like the emo and the goth kids that would like their way of like interacting with each other is they draw like black skulls on each other's arms, like in the yeah, courtyard after school. <laughs> of course you did. Yes, that is so true, though. That's what it reminds me of. When they're drawing, like, dark things, and they're doing it, like, on each other's skin, or in this case, on each other's paper, to be like, hey, I see you. We're the same. Both really fucked up in the head. Let's be friends. (laughs) Yep. Um, And then the other thing that I want to add to... This isn't a long chapter, but um, Mm. was... The conversation that he talks about between Henry and Leo about the attack obviously has something to do with the monsters who were like, we're gonna retaliate, blah, 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 in that last section of chapters that we read. Mm-hmm. Which I was, I knew, right, that this, it was, that it was gonna come back again, like, obviously. She didn't just put that in there. But I did not expect it to come back right away. I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're running with this now. I see that. Well, we don't so, have it confirmed, right? But that is, that is the insinuation. That's the connection between the two chapter points is that, um, well, and I guess from the end of verse one starting verse two, that we clearly see unrest in Harker's monsters and that unrest even though the Flynn's don't know what's causing it we're starting to see the potential results of that mm-hmm. unrest manifesting in South City yeah though it's not confirmed it it we don't know for sure that Harker didn't send them we don't know for sure but it's more likely that he's losing control of the monsters and that's what's causing them to go into this outside looking for food yeah yeah I agree with that interesting um but yeah what did you have for chapter one um so this is dumb but when they're talking at the very beginning about like all of the different territories and just like random facts they're like which one has the most people which one has the smallest land mass and like just going over all these facts it just reminded me of uh geography and culture class at the language schools when we were going over all of the Bundesländer (laughs) and like just talking about what happened in, like, Schleswig-Holstein and, like, what was going on mm-hmm. in uh, um, Bayern and, like, all of that stuff. So I just, it reminded me a lot of Middlebury and I really, of geography class in Middlebury, which I really appreciated. It was, like, a nice little Aww. call back to home. Uh, and then I just thought it was really interesting um, like, a really interesting perspective that August was bringing up around the biases of the history class. Like, he clearly knows it's biased, but I don't think, maybe this is me projecting and reading into it, but doesn't feel like he's upset 
about the bias because he's learning it because he already knows that the information is biased but like it it's frustration with watching it be taught to unwitting students who will then continue Mm -hmm. to propagate that propaganda um and that biased history that isn't necessarily reflective of what the actual facts and circumstances are and the students may not be aware or understand the impact of the biases that they're being presented and it kind of just reminded me a lot of the conversation that we've been having as a society in the United States and around critical race theory and like reflections that I've been doing on like how I was taught U.S. history in a predominantly white high school. Whitewashed history. We have super whitewashed history and we skate over things that are problematic or concerning Mm -hmm. with the choices that the founders of our country had made. And we've always prioritized patriotism over facts with how we've taught history in the United States and gloss over the parts of history that people don't feel comfortable talking about or that teachers don't feel appropriately equipped to talk about. And I did like growing up that my U.S. history teacher, I I didn't end up doing this because I had too many other things to do, but our U.S. history teacher did provide extra credit if you read alternate histories of the United States separate and distinct from our textbook and wrote comparisons of how history was being portrayed in these different alternate history books. Um, Mm -hmm. to get a sense of, like, where all those biases were coming out. Again, I didn't do it, but it seemed like a really impactful exercise, though I don't think that the ones that he used, I think both the ones he used were still written by white men, so there's only so much (laughs) critical thought that are going. The the idea is there, the execution locking. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, yeah, so I just... I thought that that was really compelling, and I love how Schwab will kind of, like, not in too much detail, because it is still a fantasy story. It's a dystopian novel. Like, she's not, and she's not qualified to talk about, like, race relations and stuff like that as a white woman, but I do like that she brings sort of these real-world problems that, as a society, we're already grappling with into the narrative and isn't shying away from noting that there are problems. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if she's not diving into the details of, like, what's the problem, what's the solution, it's still calling attention to young readers to be like, hey, the history that's being taught is biased. Is your history being biased? Like, that's the next thought that some kids will start to subconsciously have. And so I just, I really appreciate that that kind of context is being baked into YA books. Um, I don't trust Leo. Just everything about him. to start a war. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like Warhawks. It's just not my kind of character. I don't vibe with them. Uh, I also just, back to your earlier point, I I adore how unsettling their friendship is. Like, it's so weird. And it's so weird. It's such a teenager-y kind of flirtationship. It is. And it's so, because they're both, they both have such heavy things on their shoulders in different ways but it's nice to see how like when they interact it just feels like they're two teens trying to make a friend and I love how Kate pushes everyone else away but like something about August is just drawing her in whether that's his like secret monster powers or not I don't know but I love that she's just like drawn into him because she sees seemingly the same darkness 
in her um, that she sees in him, right? Like, because she only starts drawing on the paper when she sees all of the things that he's, like, renamed all of the other territories, where he's calling them, like, greed and gluttony and, like, naming them after the seven sins. (laughs) And she's like, ha, he's as monstrous as I am. Let's do this. We're gonna be BFFs. (laughs) It really is, like, you're an emo, I'm an emo. It is. It's so fun. I love it. Um, okay, chapter two, what do you got? I loved Kate in this chapter, and I thought, I mean, she's not wrong, right? Like, in a place, given the environment that they are living in, I think it's August who later on, is it August? No, maybe it's someone else who brings it up, but, um, someone says, like, well, they're the people that are living here are just as bad as the monsters and like you can take them down with some self-defense mechanisms but Mm -hmm. like they also she's right as like people living in this crazy environment need to be taught actual self-defense skills with not necessarily like real weapons it could be blunt weapons um that they might be carrying around because you don't know what's going to happen to you on the streets like this isn't the regular world this is a post-apocalyptic world (laughs) there are literal monsters roaming the shadows um right and she does make a point she gets cocky about it um when she could have you know probably done some good but that's not kate why would she do some good and actually show them real defense skills (laughs) well to be fair to an extent she is right she's showing them that what they're being taught is not going to That's, defend them from anything yeah. because her teacher's foot posture was so off that he got his collarbone broke, collarbone broken. Yep. So she's teaching the kids to not believe everything they hear on first bat. True. Not helpful. And then, yeah. And then there was this moment where I was like, oh my god, is she going to get kicked out of Colton Academy? Because... <laughs> She's in the school office and this counselor is like, I know your reputation that I've heard what you've done. Like, we don't accept that here. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to get kicked out of Colton Academy. That's the end of the book. Nothing else happens after this. The rest of the pages are blank. <laughs> um, but thankfully she's fine. Um, kind of wary that she is taking pills because I don't exactly know what the pills are except where they are supposed to reduce her anxiety. But like giving kids pills just willy-nilly because it looks like they might be anxious probably not the best idea but and like also it just seemed very surprising to me that she just went right ahead and took the pill i understand (laughs) that like she wants to make sure her father doesn't see the weakness but like i don't know i feel like you can't usually tell if someone is really really anxious like, it could just be that they are just, like, like I, me. Like, I ha- fidget a lot, and I do stuff. I don't necessarily think I'm anxious, though. Um, I just feel like she would be kind of... Because it's if it's going to bring down her anxiety, my immediate thought is, like, oh, it's going to kind of be, like, a depressant of sorts. Mm-hmm. In which case, like, I'm, like, I have taken pills like that. And, like, it really messes up your kind of control over yourself not like yeah. badly but like you definitely feel it mm-hmm. it just seems very surprising to me that she would just go for it but you know whatever works for her i guess <laughs> yeah 
Poor Kate. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm gonna circle back around to the whole kill okay. point, because I have many thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I would like to go back to the beginning of the chapter, though. Like, to be- I, we've called Kate out for being, like, aggressively mean to kids. Um, and just being, like, overly grumpy when they're just like, Hi! <laughs> welcome to school and she's like i'm going to murder you um but to be fair if someone tried to interrupt me in my five minutes of solitude on a walk i would also be very upset and grumpy so like in this one situation with rachel i don't blame kate for being like an asshole rachel's very forward i was like the way she was talking would have pissed me off too like you don't talk to people like that that you don't know let's be friends no thank you you don't have to be like your father. I can make you popular. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> what? <laughs> Ma'am. So weird. Calm down. <laughs> Go hang out with Charlotte in the bathroom. Learn some lessons. <laughs> like, we can't... Can't be doing this right now. Kate doesn't want friends. I also really hate, uh, in that same interaction with Rachel, that passive-aggressive thing that women do... Where they specifically say your name wrong on purpose. I know. It's a real psychological trick. They... I hate it. It's not even my name in this book and I'm mad about it. Like I, I did it though the other... Well, I wanted to do it the other day to the dean of my school because she sent me a very passive-aggressive email to a very polite request and I was like I sh-, and she spelled my name Julie and I was like oh I should spell misspell her name and I just didn't put her name in the email but it's a real thing that we do <laughs> it's like exclusively women that do this I just don't I don't know. It's like this unspoken language that it's, we have it's women and it's dads with their daughter's boyfriends But yeah, I just would really, I didn't include that in pop culture because I could come up with 900 examples and just didn't seem worth it. Um, But I would just like us as a gender to please stop. This has been a piece. Unless you're emailing your dean. (laughs) No, stop. (laughs) Be better, Julia. She started it. She spelled my name wrong. Be the bigger person. Come on. When it comes to college administration, I am not the bigger person. Oh, God. I also, like, okay, so now with the counselor, um, both very concerned but also impressed with the counselor. Like, I agree with you. School counselors who are not licensed psychiatrists should not just be, like, handing out anti-anxiety pills to kids. Like, you should not have collections of anti-anxiety pills in your drawer. That you're just like, and you get some pills. And you get some pills. Like, that's that seems like incorrect school policy and medical malpractice. Um, but... He dove right into the root of the issue and was pretty accurately assessing Kate's stress and pressure points in a way that, like, I don't think she has ever let herself stop to think about and assess about herself because it would only show a weakness that she refuses to show to, like, acknowledge that she thinks she needs to work on. Um, So for only reading her file and, like, talking to her for five seconds, he made some pretty astute observations. Mm Mm-hmm. So, again, impressed and terrified of of this counselor. I, and again, like, just very 
not to harp on the pills, but like who the hell just hands a teen a bottle of unlabeled pills with no instructions on how to use them? Like, you're inviting accidental overdoses. Like, does it say on the label? I don't know. Why didn't seem like it. Verbally? She didn't read the label. She was just like, take one. How often are you supposed to take it? Is it one a day? Is it one every six hours? Is it one every time you feel a panic attack coming on? Like, what? <laughs> I need directions. I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> Come on. You're struggling here. Yeah, I... Struggling a lot. But, and like, I'm glad that she's open to taking medication. Again, not in this particular situation, because, like, I would like there to be a more controlled environment around how she got these and the, the, the rules around taking these pills. However... Even though her initial relationship with these pills may not be stemming from, like, super healthy reasons, I'm glad that she's open to them, if only because it gives, again, kids a positive portrayal of it being okay to take anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication. Um, that That's not something we should shy away from if it's um, if you're being prescribed it. And even Kate, this big badass, kick down the walls, like run wild girl is admitting that she potentially needs this medication to stabilize herself so i think at the end of the day there's a positive a positive message in there for for teens that are struggling with anxiety and depression just maybe not the best method of getting there no go to the psychologist talk to them figure out your problems it might be more than just anxiety or depression and don't just take random pills that you find no, please don't. Don't self-medicate. <laughs> it took me with my ADD medication. I mean, I stuck with the same medication, but I had to switch my dosage, like, a couple times in there to figure out the right dose, just, like, the dose for me. Like, and Kate's like, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do it. Mmm! Okay. Uh, that's all I had for chapter two. Chapter three... We get Kate and August's real interactions, like verbal interactions. (laughs) It was so, it felt so awkward. I don't know if it was because like, I'm so aware of August's kind of ability to make people talk. So I wasn't sure like if she was just talking or if like she felt like compelled to talk. I don't quite understand how he like works, I guess. I don't think he understands how he works. I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone he, understands. He was very confused when she took pauses. He's like, what is, people don't stop talking around me. Why did she stop talking? What's happening? But then it did sound like she confessed about that whole line about V-City being all she has left. Like, that did seem very confessional. Like, mm-hmm. maybe she just felt like, maybe she is immune somehow. And, like, she just felt like telling him because he's a he's a fellow emo (laughs) i don't know i think it's a combo honestly like i think part of her is drawn to him because of his confessional skills but i also Mm -hmm. think that she recognizes that because he's so alone and like isolates himself on purpose that he's one of the only people in the school 
that she can maybe trust with some of her secrets and thoughts. Um, and because he has never sought her out, right? Like, he's run into her a couple of times. They've interacted, but she's the one seeking him out. He's not seeking her out. And everyone else at the school is seeking her out as a friend. So I think it probably makes her feel a little bit more in control that she can go to this person and actively choose, I'm going to trust this person with my words rather than having, like, feeling bombarded with all these people trying to get information out of her. August is a pick-me without being a pick-me girl. (laughs) He is a natural (laughs) pick-me. Yep. (laughs) Good for you, August. So proud of him. I just love that he found the entire conversation so, like, I mean, not the entire conversation, but, like, a lot of it so amusing like he was smiling and he was laughing and stuff which like even he was like what what, what's going on like i can laugh what is this what is this emotion (laughs) but he like she wasn't they weren't even doing talking about anything deep right they were just like chatting it's like he's never had a full conversation like this before besides you know with everyone in his direct vicinity back home so it felt kind of special I don't know. That's the vibe I got was, like, they get along. They talk naturally in a way that August doesn't feel like she's kind of forcing herself to confess to him. Yeah. Um, And had, like, a natural just conversation for him the first time ever. And it was very cute. Um, I got anxious when she was like, can you play for me? <laughs> I'm still kind of anxious about that. <laughs> Because, oh my god, let's not go there. Why did you bring your violin to school, August? Because he wanted to practice in the practice room, Julia. Yeah, that's true. But, like, that still seems unsafe. That's, like, kind of going back to the verse 2, chapter 1, where I was like, don't slip up, or I'm going to be very anxious for you. I am anxious for him. Once Friday comes, when he should be going home, and he is also playing, basically was a deadly weapon in a public school. (laughs) Don't know how I feel about that. I think the practice rooms are soundproof, which is why he feels comfortable doing it. But, like, could anyone just walk in? Can he lock it? Probably. Okay, well... Still, I'm nervous. Also, they won't (laughs) die unless they're a sinner. True, that's true. And he has to complete his song. True. Well, let's hope no one's a sinner in that school. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Again, maybe it depends maybe on they have one of those teachers that's apparently sleeping with their students. That's probably a sin worthy of August's true. attention. Considering... They mentioned it for August as a potential reason why he transferred schools. And then Kate was like, one of the rumors, I slept with the teacher. And I was like, why is this Kate getting brought up? That's so funny. Oh, God, the children. No. <laughs> what else did you have for, for chapter three? Um, I think that was it. Okay. Um, I will kind of just, like combine my first three comments all into one I just really love the imagery and the prose at the beginning of this chapter like every way that August is describing everything I love it 
um, the intro paragraph where he's talking about, like, the rhythm of all of the different people in his life and how he can tell who's coming based on, like, how they walk, but describes it in very, like, musical terms. So pretty. Uh, I love the way he describes her eyes, makes it feel like her eyes have hidden depths, which is something that we got the vibe from her looking into his eyes. Though, have you ever seen someone with, like, navy eyes? That feels really dark blue. That does feel really dark, but it's a post-apocalyptic world. Anything is possible. <laughs> Some kind of weird genetic mutation. All right. Yeah. I just, I thought that was interesting. And then, um, oh my God, my heart just melted when he was like talking about them first chatting and he's like, I should be scared of like talking to her, but it just feels right. Like two chords that are meant to go together. And I was like, oh! my heart well i feel like too the difference between him and his interactions with like colin and company and her is like colin company felt very like almost like they were interviewing him and like Mm -hmm. interrogating him and she's just more like casual conversation which like i bet he appreciates it's a natural ease with the two of them and i just love that description like basically saying someone that Mm -hmm. Saying about someone else that they're a chord that's meant to be played with your chord. Like, I just, if that's not included (laughs) in my eventual proposal speech with the boyfriend I don't have, I don't want it. (laughs) Take notes, men. (laughs) No men are listening to this podcast. Oh, God. Uh, I really appreciated just the effort overall across these chapters um like a coordinated effort to try to get kate to quit smoking i know (laughs) absolutely love it um and then i wanted to get your thoughts on this to around august's statement because right he can't lie so he has to say things that are close enough to the truth to Mm -hmm be able to have a conversation. So when she asks what his poison is, and he says, life. (laughs) I, like, died laughing when I read that. I was like, oh my god, okay. Like, because I'm guessing she probably is just like, lol, yeah, okay, living's hard, haha, so funny, you addict. But there's a literal meaning to that. He takes people's lives. Yeah. But... What's interesting is he's not, like, he's taking people's lives, but not innocent lives, right? So, like, because the tallies, he's saying that the tallies are to represent the last time since he slipped up, which is supposedly when you're an addict, it's supposed to mean the last time since you um, tasted your poison or your particularly banned substance. So, if it's, what, 420 days now, whatever it is, um, that would mean that life, in this case, means innocent life. Because the Mm -hmm. last time he slipped up would be the last time he murdered innocents on accident. Yep. So, thank God he didn't say that. Yeah. (laughs) What's your poison? Innocent lives. (laughs) I'm very very grateful that he's so careful with what he does and what he says because like it's so easy i feel like in ya for just like characters to slip up and like ruin everything and he's so 
clever because yeah. like it is a truth without being the truth mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was just an extremely clever truth in the grand scheme of their mm-hmm. whole conversation so i just wanted to call attention to but it but it also sounds so cheesy it does Life. <laughs> how many times have you responded to that it's like oh what's got you down Life. Life. <laughs> all the time. All the damn time. What's stressing you out? Life. Life. I probably said my parents the other day, they were like, so like, how are you feeling? Like, how, like, how's thing? how are things going? And I'm probably like, well, you know, it's life. <laughs> it's going. Exactly. Like, that was definitely something I just said to them. <laughs> I say that like once a week. Yeah. Or like people ask me how I'm doing. They're like, oh. How's your day going? How's your week going? And I'm like, I can't complain. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's another another favorite response of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, August and I would not get along at a theme park because he hates unnecessary screaming, and I am so obnoxious at theme parks. <laughs> but, like... I scream for fun all the time when I'm, like, outside doing thrill-seeking activities. Isn't that normal? But he's basically been a hermit. Like, he doesn't True. hear people screaming. So oh, my God. Like, Whoa. August and Kate have probably never been on roller coasters. I'm sad for them. <laughs> uh, does V-City even have roller coasters? Probably not. Broken down ones, which you can't ride, I'm sure. <laughs> Did, did it take over, did, uh, did Verity take over Ohio? There's that big theme park in Ohio. Maybe the remnants of that are around. Isn't that, like, in, um, Cedar Divergent. Park, Cedar Woods Divergent, or something? they have the, um, the Ferris wheel that they go up. Oh, in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Just saying. <laughs> Maybe there may be opportunities. Like scraps or something. Oh, God. So depressing. Uh, Kate, so I thought it was interesting where Kate was like, I like music, so you should play for me. But clearly in the earlier chapters, she was like, no classical music for me, thanks. Like, very little of this do I enjoy. So I was just wondering what she, if she got August to play, like, what, what does she think August is going to play for her? Lindsay Sterling? <laughs> like it's not a guitar like rock songs <laughs> but you can just look at him and know that he's gonna play classical music i feel like like his i name just is august <laughs> like <laughs> okay she hasn't seen august rush well okay that's immediately what i always think of i know <laughs> It's just violin does not strike me as a non-classical music type of instrument. Just saying. Personally. Yeah. It's traditionally, the majority of this, the music is classical music, so. Now, if he was carrying a guitar case around, like, yeah, 100%. If he was Leo with, like, his electric guitar strapped at his back, I could see her being like, Play your guitar for me. Oh my god, so cool. But a violin girl. You must really like this boy if you're begging a teenage boy to play violin for you. So true. And then I, this is probably a more long-winded comment, but 
kind of ties to some of the stuff you were saying earlier. I really love that the gender norms of this story have been sort of flipped on their mm-hmm. head, right? Like how you were talking about how August is like the epitome of a pick me girl. Because um, mm-hmm. like in so many teen stories, you're told, you, your main character is told to avoid the like asshole bad boy who's smoking cigarettes and everyone will be like, that's a death wish if you want to hang out with them. They'll tear you apart, blah, blah, blah. And it's always this like prissy girl who does something, like, very fancy that falls for them anyways. But here, it's the exact same story, just the gender roles are flipped. So August mm-hmm. is this, like, innocent, naive, I wouldn't call him prissy, but he does a fancy thing, right? He plays the violin. He's very, like, quiet, soft-spoken. And he's drawn to this bad girl who's, like, literally attacking people in bathrooms and burning down chapels. And I... I love that Schwab flipped it because I feel like it makes that trope of a story so much more compelling because you can do so much more nuance and so many more complexities when you aren't falling into the standard and traditional gender roles associated with that trope. And it's important that word they use that he's naive. Like you get the badass girl in tons of stories, but there's then there's always the guy who will like control her essentially like he's like the yin to yin to yin to her yang like he kind of like is like just as maybe wild or just as crazy but has is more level-headed and so he kind of like grounds her in this case august is truly like just a naive pick me girl who like is just going about life you know he's not trying to control her like that is the true trope in this case No, completely agree. And if we think of, like, other YA stuff um, in the dystopian era sort of, like, commentary, like, I know this is kind of pop culture-y, but we're basically there anyway, so we can talk about it now. Um, But, like, if you have, like, Katniss and Gale as an example, right? Because they were the original ooh, this is the love story. And, like, Katniss is a badass. Gail, also, a grumpy badass. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have that same level if the girl's a badass. Um, Juliet becomes a badass in Chatter Me, but Warner was always one. Even though he's, like, a soft cinnamon roll boy inside, like, he has that exterior shell. He's not. There's no naivete associated with him. Um, Divergent. Triss learns from four how to become a badass mm-hmm. like it's all this it's i just yeah. prefer this because you get so many more character nuances and complexities and it just makes the story yeah. more interesting not that i don't like the other stories it's just it's nice to have something fresh this also just feels very naturally balanced without being the man kind of forcing the badass girl into something or to be something else right um august isn't trying to change her like if anything he just is like i mean he can't help it that he she's confessing to him but like naturally it also feels like she is a little bit more relaxed Mm -hmm. around him than she is around other people Mm -hmm. um it just feels it's nicer to read 
It is. So much, like, more, much more pleasant than... I, l- I like those other stories, right? Like, there's a reason, like, I was obsessed with Shatter Me for so long. And I, like, loved Aaron and Juliet. But this, now that I'm, like, in my 20s, <laughs> feels more realistic. <laughs> well, and I also really like that, like, when we read those other dystopian novels, right? Hunger Games, Shatter Me, Divergent. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely lost my train of... <laughs> <laughs> I had it when I was saying Hunger Games, and then it just, whoop, 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 whoop. Let me see if I can get it back. Hold on. I'll just edit this out. Nope. It's gone. <laughs> oh, no, I remember. Um, What I really like about this story versus other dystopian novels is that the, even though it's in that same, like, dystopian high stakes, high pressure sort of, like, situation with the setting that's around them, they are just having the ability to get to know each other mm-hmm. on the bleachers at high school. That's so true. Like, on the literal bleachers. The like... literal bleachers at high school, just getting to, like, chat about their feelings and their backgrounds and their worries um, to some so extent. True. And, like, I think that adds to why it feels so real because it, it brings in what's good about contemporary YA mm-hmm. where you have those just like soft moments between characters that are truly there to develop character and you're dropping it into a plot what's typically going to be a plot heavy setting heavy story and so it gives you a little bit of everything whereas normally fantasy and dystopian novels are focused on the plot and the story and the character development takes a bit of a back burner and contemporary focuses too much on the characters and the plot's not that interesting. Um, so I like that this kind of takes the best of both of those genres and makes something new. That's very true. Mm, such a good book. I always like books so much more when I read them for the podcast. Like, I feel like having to just sit here and talk about it is making me like this so much more than I read it the first time. Well, I feel like with a why I tend to, and I think we both do this, we rush through them really quickly because, like, we're there for the plot. We're not necessarily there for the kind of intricacies that someone like Victoria Schwab is really good at putting into the plot, but we brush over them because we just want to get from the beginning to the end to find out how how it ends. Exactly. Um, So with this, we have to. We actually have to take time to read it and like that's why i keep bringing up the i love the way she writes like in the same thing you brought up to like she's so good at like she, i wouldn't say that she's like an incredible writer i think that's reserved for like really top writers but in terms of ya writing she is ridiculously beyond i think anyone that i have read um she's kind of what i love shatter me but she's what that book kind of wanted to be yeah. in terms of imagery like you know I, I'm not going to talk bad about that series because I love it so much but I really I know this is not related to the podcast and I I'm not 100% sold that you would like it because I think it would be too slow for you but I would eventually if you ever get around to it love to hear your thoughts on Addie LaRue and like how she how she writes for adults 
And that's only because I've read Addie LaRue. I may change my adult suggestion for Victoria Schwab for you mm-hmm. after I've read um, Vicious and Vengeful or Darker Shade of Magic. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I have them all. I own, like, every book that she's published in the last, like, six years. And oh I've read God. two of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but that's just because I, I fully believe that, like, I will love all of her books like I have no doubt that I will love all of her books based on the two that I've read like I just know so uh should we talk about pop culture let's do it what do you got for chapter one Julia chapter one um I have just a very general one when they're talking about Nate the names of the territories which Mm -hmm. um have here valor prosperity fortitude verity ya books apocalyptic books and their naming conventions are just the funniest thing and i wish somebody would like do a study and just compile all of these names for me because i just think it is hilarious there is absolutely no way that like obviously there's no way a post-apocalyptic world would really happen but there's still also no way that if enough it did happen, that the personality would be named, like Valor, Prosperity, Fortitude. Like that is not at all how that would work. There would be some asshole out there who's like, I gave this amount of money to the war. Like I helped to make sure the human race didn't die out, and so the territories would be named after this asshole. <laughs> like that's how it would work. That is a great point. Um. It's very much like Divergent, too, in the way that they're specifically Mm -hmm. using, like, personality traits to name the sections of things. Like, it's so dumb. At least with Divergent, it's like Hogwarts houses, right? Like, there's a reason that they're named for that. And, like, with Hunger Games, there's a reason it's named District 1, District 2, District 3. Like, that makes sense. I can't think of other YA books off the top of my head. There's definitely other ones that are, like, similar to, like, this valor, prosperity, fortitude, verity kind of situation where it's, like, no one's going to name these places like that. <laughs> I agree. I do think that the the specific names that they chose reminded me of Divergent. Like, that was on my list. But mm-hmm. I agree with your point that, like, the naming convention in general is bad. But going to your point about, like, some rich asshole just, like, naming the thing after him... I actually think even though the naming convention that they use is completely ridiculous in the selection for all of the states in the selection, there's like what, like 70 states or something ridiculous across both North and South America. Um, there, The country is called Illyria because there was that guy, Illyria, who was like, yeah. yep, this is my country now. That's I have decided. Like the selection is a ridiculous series. But that naming convention, that is exactly how it would work. But that was only the whole country name, and then everything That's else true. was absolute bullshit named. Like, I think they just had, they like, oh god, the one where the castle was, it was like by Hollywood, and they just called it Hollywood. Like, the whole state was called, like, Hollywood or something. But that's still, like, it still in some ways makes sense. Like, they're not just, it, like... It tied to the original really landmarks like, or languages. Fortitude. <laughs> yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Fortitude. Okay. Oh, it's... I'm sorry. It's not called Hollywood. It's called Angelus. So they have... 
some of them, which makes sense for, like, the locations, and, like, Yukon, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Panama, sure. Kent, okay. Hon- Honduragua, which is a combination of Honduras and Nicaragua. But, like, it still makes more sense than <laughs> But then you have some fortitude. of them that I don't know. Like, where, where are these names coming from? Baffin. Bankston, Soda, Sonage, Tamins, Whites. They have a whole territory. Well, they sound called. like they're, like, names. Like, they could be combined names. They could be named after, like, certain landmarks. And, like, that's more like what we're used to, though, is, like, these random place names that are usually named after someone or a landmark nearby. i just like to point out, Whites is Alaska. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> uh, they have a whole province in Central America that's just called Bonita. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is why you don't have white authors write anything no. tied to culture. It's so bad. Don't. Like, just don't read this election, guys. Don't do it. God. Uh, okay, big tangent from Chantel. I apologize. Um, what no, else did you have okay. That was a good discussion. <laughs> it was. It's true. Um, there's a point where um, he is talking about, uh, I think, where is it? Every time the teacher referred to the city as V-City instead of North City, as if the southern half wasn't worth mentioning, as if it didn't exist beyond the seam, August felt his chest tighten. Reminds me so much of the Canada and the United States about the word America. I'm very aware of it now that I'm at a school in Canada because I'll be like, American, and they're like... North American, the United States, Canada, what are we talking about here? Like, they don't talk about themselves as Americans. Like, that's a very United States thing to do. But, mm-hmm. like, Canada is part of North America, as is Mexico. And, like, it's such a states thing for us to do, to be like, we're American. But there's two other countries around us. <laughs> yeah, it's our own fault for naming our country the United States, United States of America. Because, like, we can't mm-hmm. say we're Statesians, because there are states yes. in many countries around the world. We're United? We're Americans. <laughs> like, Americans, all we got left. Ovians. This is so funny. We're Ovians. We're Ovians. We'll, just, we're, we'll take the of. We're Usanians. <laughs> yeah, no. See, it's hard though, but it just reminds it's like very, very low pop culture. It's not even pop culture, but it just reminds me so much of that. <laughs> we could just call ourselves USAers. USAers. Great. Great. New uh, trend. We, you heard it here first. <laughs> and then the other one is when Leo is like, we have to show them what weapons we have, blah, blah, blah. And he's like so gung ho about having this war. Very, very cruel prismatic. <laughs> Which is very funny because you were like, I don't like Leo. And I'm like, this seems very Maddock-esque of him, but okay. <laughs> no, I think Maddock was more tactical than Leo okay. is. Ma- Maddock is... was like bloodthirsty, but tactically bloodthirsty. Yeah, Leo's, Leo's just, just bloodthirsty. bloodthirsty. <laughs> okay. 
It's the difference okay, between okay. a Gryffindor bloodthirsty and a Slytherin bloodthirsty, and I vibe more with the Slytherin kind. Ah, uh, that's all I have for chapter one. Okay. Um, so, the Divergent one we already talked about. August brooding in his head about what the answers to all of the questions are and, like, being frustrated that all of the kids are getting the questions wrong is just, like, every teen vampire boy ever. Right? <laughs> Edward Cullen did that in class. Stefan Salvatore did that in class. That is just, like, a thing that teen vampire boys do in high school classes as they sit there and whine about how everyone's getting the answers wrong or they, like, correct the teachers for having the wrong facts and that's because they lived through the thing. No. I'm just, I'm tired of the trope. The, his, August is much more tame than the vampire boys, but it immediately, my brain is triggered. <laughs> Anytime a boy, like, knows the answer in class and is like, nah, the teacher's stupid. <laughs> uh, and then uh, also about the Vampire Diaries, but, like, with them living in Verity and then spending all this time in history class learning specifically about the history of Verity, not the entire country and the other territories. They're like, no, we're just going to focus on Verity because that's where we live, so that's all we care about is very reminiscent of the Vampire Diaries, where they're like, yeah, there's there's U.S. history, but instead, we're just going to teach you about the history of Mystic Falls, this one t- small town <laughs> that had one Civil War battle, and that's all you're going to learn about. We definitely did that in elementary school, though, in Vermont. Like, we were like, oh, we had this one revolutionary war battle on this hill and we're gonna go there every year to relearn the same exact battle (laughs) oh my god it's a real thing it's a it's a thing we didn't do it like super localized to the city level but we did like you're required to take washington state history to graduate high school in washington um but we just learned about like the different native american tribes in Washington, and then, like, the geography, and we learned about the Puget Sound and its interesting ecosystem, and then how the rain shadow effect works with our mountains. I love that. So it's, like, not even history. It's kind of science. No. It's, like, nature. So history dabbled in there. Even when we learned about, like, the Native American tribes, we were just learning about, like, how they used nature to survive. We didn't actually learn about any of their history they were like so they cut down these kinds of trees and made these big canoes and then they would use those canoes to go to alaska to get supplies <laughs> oh god i wish i was kidding <laughs> i'm not the american education system um and then this is a very like common dystopian thing so it's like i don't necessarily I mean, I think it happens in almost every dystopian novel that's based off the United States. But, like, The Selection, The Hunger Games, The Handmaid's Tale, where you're getting all of these, like, propaganda, like, bullshit reasons for why the United States dissolved and how the new system is, like, better and, like, great now that it's in place. And they're teaching these things to kids to just, like, try to keep them pliant. Um, Yep. 
common theme in dystopian novels, and I hate it every time they do it. Every single time. I get why. I get why it's a common, like, the most common trope in the genre, especially in YA, because it's so easy when you're, the bulk of your audience is going to be U.S.-based kids to be like, this is what would happen if everything went to shit. And it may seem like it's better, but it's not, and we're just going to tell them that it's better so they can realize it's not, and it's like, yeah, okay, how about we just all recognize it? shit, that'd be great, thank you. Uh, that's all I have for chapter one, though. What do you got for chapter two? I have a couple things, more than usual. I have, with Rachel, gave me a very Draco Malfoy vibes. (laughs) Like, it's him at the start of the school year in first year going up to harry and being like you should be on my side don't be and friends harry with the weasleys like, no. <laughs> except harry was much more subdued as i don't remember in the books but definitely in the movies much more subdued subdued than uh, Kate i can i can tell you exactly what he says draco malfoy's like I'm Draco Malfoy. You don't want to go making friends with the wrong sort. And then he's like, red hair and a hand-me-down robe. You must be a Weasley. And then Harry's like, I think I can figure out the wrong sort for myself. Thanks. (laughs) Exactly. Very Kate and Rachel. Except Kate has no desire to have any sort. (laughs) A friend. So. Yeah. Uh, Well, she wants August. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Yes, I, Go ahead. Yeah. I went back, finally, and I've been rereading Legend by Mary Lou because there's so many parts of it that, like, I keep relating back to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I definitely misremembered a lot about Legend, so thank God. But um, it, the book literally starts off with the main character going into the school office because she has done something violence or has spoken out of turn and i was like wow right off the bat we have kate who i've been relating to this character for like how many podcast episodes now Mm -hmm. um it just was so reminiscent and it was not the first time that she has been in the office i took a here it is her name is june She goes, I'm willing to bet I'm the only Drake student, where she goes to school, who's ever managed to get eight reports in one quarter without being expelled. That's not something to be proud of. (laughs) It's just so funny. I was like, she and Kate would either be best friends or at each other's throats. Well, that's that's also, and this ties into one of mine, um, whenever... I already forgot her name. The The main girl in 10 Things I Hate About You, when she gets called into the principal's oh gosh, office. Cat? And the Cat, yes. And um, she was like, <laughs> you are defacing, like, school property again. She's like, making a feminist statement. <laughs> but instead, oh in that book, or in that movie, you get Alice and Janney being the sex-obsessed principal. And it's so good. So good. Allison Jenny makes everything better. She really does. She's an icon. Cat, <laughs> um, I would love to see Cat, June, and Kate in one room. All hell would break loose. I think it would be so funny. 
I think they would, like, fight for the first probably, like, five minutes, and then they realize that they could take over the world so efficiently <laughs> together. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah. And then I also had, I had two more. I had four for this, which is a lot for me. I'm really proud um, of you. Thank you. Me too. Uh, the pill sequence. I don't, I brought it up before, but have you actually seen the Queen's Gambit TV show? It's also in the book, but. I watched like the first 25 minutes of the first episode. I'm not sure if you got to this part. There's a part though, and it it goes through the entire um, show and also the book, but um, she is given as a kid at this orphanage to kind of she's told that it's vitamins but really it's like kind of like a depressant to like kind of a suppressant down yeah it's suppressant yeah well i think it was kind of like a depressant um and it's called the green pills and so she takes the green pills and suddenly she feels like she can focus better but it's not very healthy and she's being given it as a kid and she becomes addicted to it to the point where she tries to break in to the office where these pills are being stored and it just remind me of kate and i was like please do not let kate get addicted to pills she's already addicted to cigarettes she's good <laughs> like let's not go down that path so i'm a little bit worried but um he did say they were I... healthier than cigarettes i do yeah i still doubt that but i mean maybe like in terms of lung health, sure. <laughs> maybe, and we didn't consider this, maybe they're sugar pills and he's just trying to trick her into using them as a placebo. Ah, I would love that, but I highly doubt that. I highly doubt it too, but I'm trying to be on the positive side of the counselor. Um, yeah, so that just reminds me of the those pills. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're in the Queen's Gambit they're ever actually, I think it's, uh, it just says that, like, it reduces their, or reduces her, um, kind of energy so that she is just, like, calmer, um, mm-hmm. and more focused, which isn't necessarily, and that's kind of what I took with my ADD pills, is, like, it's not necessarily better, though. Like, does it make you calmer? Yeah, but it, it's not healthy. Anyway. No, but it's what adults want for children, so they don't have to deal with all of their high energy levels. And then my last one that I had is my big one, which is Sing from Miss Congeniality. Yes! Did you have that one? I did! (laughs) Good. Except that in this one, um, I think she goes solar plex in step. Well, in the book, in in here, it goes stomach in step, um... Nose groin. Nose groin. But in miscongeniality, it's solar plex and step nose groin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will Same always remember that because of miscongeniality. Same. That was literally the first thing I wrote down. I was like, sing. It's miscongeniality. It's straight from the movie. Yeah. I love it. So clearly, Victoria Schwab is a big uh, miscongeniality I fan. appreciated it so much. I was like, yes, let's sing. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes, I love it. Um, when Okay, so when Kate is talking about how she, like, took all these self-defense classes just in case she ever got kidnapped, um, I was just thinking about characters that were, like, at risk of being kidnapped in other books that I've read. And 
the only character I could really think of off the top of my head was Tina Hakeem Baba from the Princess Diary books, right? So she, like, had Joaquim around with her all the time just to make sure she wouldn't get kidnapped. Um, but she kind of always, like, wanted to be kidnapped to see if she would fall in love with her kidnapper, like, in all of her romance novels. And... I just, she was so much more likely to fall in love with her kidnapper than hurt them. And I kind of wish Tina Hakeem Baba would have had a little bit more Kate in her. Might have made the Princess Diaries a little bit more interesting in certain scenes. And then I know we're talking a lot about, like, the therapy and the pills and the counseling and all this stuff. And I love whenever there's, like, therapy rep or school counselor rep in, in stories um, just because it reminds me of, like, other therapy rep and or school counselors. So, my favorite representation of therapy in pop culture is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I know I was, like, talking to you about that show probably a ton back when I watched it in, like, uh, 2019. <laughs> but I just lo- appreciated, she was kind of crazy, like, literally crazy, that was the whole point of the show name, uh, but her therapist would gently try to prod her in the right direction um but they were always also so frustrated at her lack of openness to the process and so I could kind of see a little bit of that in the counselor where like Kate's clearly not open to being counseled so he's trying to like push her in the right direction then he's like okay you don't have to take the pills but like can you please just try (laughs) to like de-stress yourself a little bit so that frustration Reminded me of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And then I've been watching season two of um, Never Have I Ever, which I love. It's a great show. And Davy is kind of the same way. She's, like, refusing to process how she feels about her father's death and all of her feelings about it are manifesting in more harmful ways where she's, like, hurting her friends and, like, lashing out. And her therapist keeps trying to curb stomp it and it keeps just, like, not working because Davy keeps making horrible choices. So I just, I could see that being Kate as well um and then just an honorable mention nothing to do with this actual story but honorable mention for my favorite school counselor which is Emma from Glee very great she tried really hard with her kids (laughs) yeah uh and then going back to crazy ex-girlfriend there's this song I want to say it's season three not season four but it might be season four um there's a song called Antidepressants Are So Not a Big Deal, and Rebecca is, like, on the fence of taking antidepressants when her doctor prescribes them. She's like, I don't want to be in a fog. Like, I don't want to live my life like this. I don't want to be, like, a weirdo being the only one taking it. Um, and so then they all sing this song where all of these people in her neighborhood are also on antidepressants, and they come out and sing about, like, how everyone's on antidepressants, and it's, like, a totally normal thing, and, like, everyone's drugged up all the time. And so when Kate's, like, pondering about the, um, number of people in North City that are, like, in a fog and on drugs, it it reminded me of that song. Yep, that's my chapter two. (laughs) Lovely. Okay, what about chapter three? I only had one for this chapter. I couldn't think of much for some reason. I think I was so caught up in their conversation, but um, I I have brought this up before, and I do not remember the context, but when the girl is screaming and August is like, oh my god, what's going on? <laughs> There's that scene, I don't 
think it's in the book, but again, like it's been so long since I read it. In the Vampire Academy movie adaptation, um, they're in the mall and these girls are screaming and immediately everyone is like thinking, oh my God, like we're getting attacked. The vampires are after us, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it reminds me so much of Ox being like, oh my God, we're getting attacked. And no, it's actually just teenage girls. That's just being what teenage they do. girls. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I had. I love it. Um, so I just, again, not like anything specific to their conversation, but going back to just the iconic nature of bleacher scenes in high school stories, I just wanted to highlight some of my favorite bleacher scenes um, where you have either like really heartfelt conversations or it's like they're just very iconic for like being on the bleachers. Uh, it's not always the same thing. Um, so two of them with musical scenes, well, actually three of them with musical scenes, but first two I'll mention because they're both outside, Grease and 10 Things I Hate About You. Or they're trying to use the bleachers to showcase some kind of, like, romantic gesture or romantic moment. Um, Heathers, I know they're, like, inside when they're, like, around the bleachers, but, like, Heathers kind of gives that original tropey vibe of, like, the naive girl who's, like, really falling for the bad boy but doesn't realize how bad he is. Uh, the Prom, which I watched recently, the Netflix version um, where they're, like, talking about going to the prom, just the two of them, they're left alone in the bleachers by themselves, and they're singing about how they're excited to be, like, the first lesbian couple at prom, even though they realize it's scary. Uh, Veronica Mars has some really good bleacher scenes. It, I mean, the list just goes on, but I just really love how, like, iconic bleachers are. You know, are. I never spent that much time in the bleachers when I was in school. I didn't spend time there outside of games. Yeah. Yeah, like, you would go there for the games, which for me was rare anyway. But, like, like I I went to, like, the most time I spent was, like, the track and field bleachers, but that's because I was in on the track and field team, and that wasn't even our turf. That was Middlebury College's turf. Yeah. So... I like, and that was to like warm up for practice. I wasn't chatting with my friends. <laughs> Again, we were not super cool in high school, though. No, so maybe cool not. kids so, like, are I think doing in general. Like, bleachers. I feel like at school in my school, kids didn't just hang out on the bleachers. People used to hang out on the bleachers at our junior high, not like on the bleachers, but underneath the bleachers, which mm. is reminiscent of like scenes in the prom and other scenes that have like bleacher scenes where they're like interspersing underneath or like making out under the bleachers, right? That gets brought up yeah. a lot in like teen yeah. romance stories. Um, so I, I mean, I just named a couple that came to me off the top of my head, but like every high school story. I feel like it has some kind of an iconic bleacher scene. And I just love, I love the use of bleachers to make this feel very, like, high school centric, even though it's a dystopian novel. True. Yeah. Uh, Kate getting kicked out of PE for misconduct when she was just doing what was asked of her reminds me of when Anna gets detention in Freaky Friday for hitting Stacy in the back of the head with the volleyball. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, I watched that movie with Skyla, like, um, 
couple of months ago because she'd never seen it. That's such a great movie. I love Lindsay so Lohan. Long since I've seen that. Lindsay Lohan and uh, Amanda Bynes movies from our childhood. Just golden. Um, August's, like, August is surprised at, we talked about this a little earlier, but, like, at how long Kate is pausing to respond since normally people just, like, won't shut up around him. And, again, I recognize that, like, from a actual plot perspective, this is very different from the book I'm referencing. Sorry, I'm referencing another romance novel. Julia, I know you hate when I do that. <laughs> I hate when you do it. It's just funny. <laughs> um, but I'm, I just started reading, um, Take, Take a Hint, Danny Brown, which is the second in the Brown Sisters trilogy by Talia Hibbert. And Danny, the, the main character, um, she is very academic. And so, like, she, uh, she's a PhD student. And so she takes very long amounts of time to, like, think over everything she's going to say before she says it. And she makes an explicit comment that, like, most of the time when she's, like, dating someone, they get really frustrated with, like, trying to have a conversation with her because she takes so long to respond because she wants to think through every aspect and be thoughtful before providing a response. And so because that normally annoys most people, she, like, it's one of the reasons she doesn't do relationships. But Zaf the love interest really appreciates it about her and like likes that there's a chance for everyone to sort of like pause and take a beat and like likes that she has that time and feels empowered to sort of take that time to think through her responses. So it kind of reminds me here that August is like pleasantly surprised that she is actually like breathing and like taking a pause because <laughs> he's so used to all the incessant noise. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I like that. And then I don't know why, but with, like, the bleacher conversation, just, like, how they were talking to each other and interacting and a little bit the things they were talking about, I was kind of getting uh, Jihoo and John D vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just a little bit, like, in their stairwell scenes when they would, like, when she would start opening up to him. And he would, like, not know quite how to take in that information or, like, what to do with it. He's just, like... August is a very Jihoo character. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I bring it up because it's, like, one of the few situations where we have the same gender mapping um, Mm -hmm. versus, you know, what we see in so many other tropes. So I just was getting vibes. You know me. I'm no plot, all vibes with my pop culture references. (laughs) And then going back to what we were talking about, about, like, the gender swapping and, you know, iconic high school content. I'm just getting Breakfast Club vibes, but gender swapped. So, like, Kate is our Judd Nelson. She is our rebel. And August is basically if you combine the outcast and the princess into, like, one character... So you get, like, the, I'm falling for the rebel and, like, realizing that my way of being is not the only way of being that the princess gets, but then, like, the social skills of the outcast, you combine those into one person, and then, like, the way that the two characters interact is, like, very reminiscent of the princess and the rebel in the breakfast club. And they both are getting, like, kicked out of class and doing dumb shit and skipping. So. Yep. And then who knows? They'll they'll uh 
spend more time together in their own version of detention and learn that everyone has a heart of gold. <laughs> Just kidding. That's definitely not how this book is going to end. No, I would be very surprised if that's how the book ended. <laughs> Doesn't really leave you open for the sequel, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. That's all I had. MVPs? MVPs. You go first. Okay. Don't judge me. Okay, I will. <laughs> my MVP is the school counselor. Oh my god. I am judging you right now. <laughs> okay, go on. I, again, like, I, despite the medical malpractice bit, which I agree is problematic. I was just really impressed with how the counselor was able to get in there and do this, like, very intense, very accurate psychoanalysis of a person he's never met. And he's like, here are all of these things that you need to understand and fix about yourself in, like, five minutes. I just, it was a really impressive therapeutic analysis to me, and I just, I appreciated it, so... Kudos to that okay, guy. Fair enough. What about you? I am going to give mine to Kate because of the whole self-defense sequence. Because I kind of, as I said, I kind of do agree with her that they should be giving her real, well, them real skills mm-hmm. in this very scary world. It's not like, like you can get away with it in our current situation where like we don't have monsters we're dealing with regular people um in her world they're dealing with monsters and like that it you know sing can help you as i think august says like there are people you have to deal with on the streets but the bigger threat that everyone is going to have to face is these monsters and like just hiding away in these self-defense classes is not going to do them any good and so she speaks up and is like, listen, I don't agree. You're doing it wrong. You, your stance is wrong. Like, everything is wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And she gets herself sent to the counselor. But ultimately, she's right. And I want to stand up for her. Would have been better if she said, said those things. Hey, you're doing this wrong and your stance is wrong. Rather than just laughing yeah. and breaking a collarbone. <laughs> but I... Path. Well, so... The, but... Both the characters that we've picked for this week, mine worse than yours, I acknowledge, but, like, both of them had really good intentions and were doing everything that they could to accomplish what they thought and know to be right, um, but the paths that they took to get to accomplishing those intentions, questionable. True. Though, again, my... Mine, way more so. We don't give unlabeled bottles of pills to minors, or anyone, but especially minors. Unless they're low dosage. Maybe then, but still very weird. Very strange. So what if, does he know about her, like, allergies? What if she has medication allergies? Yeah, actually, that's very true. What if she has a history with this drug and he doesn't, or she doesn't know? What if he's feeding an addiction that he wasn't aware that she had spent time dating? <sighs> we're, anyway. we're getting way too deep about this, yeah. like, one box of pills in a YA book, and we need to stop. Um, okay, what about your wine rating? 
All right, so my wine rating. This is like a Uruguayan tenet, which someone out there is going to yell at me for my pronunciation of all of that just now. But I, okay. The reason I'm choosing it though, regardless of the way I just pronounced it, is because it is one of the deeper red wines, like color-wise. It complements August's and Kate's emoness in these chapters. It is one of the deepest red wines, one of the more bolder red wines, but also one of the more full-bodied red wines. I would say it's an 8 out of 10 Uruguayan tenant, which is very emo. <laughs> it's a lot of color, there's a lot of flavor, not necessarily fruity, but also not the bitterest or the acidic wine. It's really just the color that I'm going for here. It's an 8 out of 10. Yeah. What's your wine rating? So I struggle with these chapters because I don't feel like there's a lot of whining. Whining, yeah. But that doesn't mean there's not angst. It's just manifesting in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we've spent this entire podcast talking about how emo these two children are, especially when they're together. So, like, they have a lot of emotions that they're trying to process, but it, I don't know, it wasn't really manifesting in angsty feelings anywhere in these chapters like they were just pretty much like this is where I'm at keeping my head down focusing on my own thing I may sketch some stuff that shows how like angry and grumpy I am about stuff but like not letting it phase me I'm just gonna get through the day and so I would actually give it a pretty low score I think I'm gonna go three out of ten um because even though there's angst it's not manifesting in a way that is like whiny or feeling (laughs) unnecessary um Mm. because it's just part of them trying to process everything that they're going through and they are controlling it really well in in my mind at least they're not it's not like bursting out of them in terms and like anxious energy in any way so yeah three out of ten fair enough all right Well, that was a long episode. Sorry for keeping you up so late today, Julia. Um, (laughs) Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, And thank you to everyone who's still listening at this point. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the support. Um, If you are interested in learning more about whatever we're reading, like what's going on um, with us, you can follow us on... Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod and on Twitter at UnAngstPod. And you can also email us at UnnecessaryAngstPod at gmail.com. We're happy to chat. Like, whatever. Whenever. I should probably... I posted a bunch of TikToks this weekend. I should probably post some of them on the... Uh, you should. On the pod. You should. I posted my, like, Ooh. monthly wrap-ups and stuff. They're <laughs> embarrassing because I'm awkward. They're only embarrassing if you think they're embarrassing. They are. I spent three minutes talking about why I did not like half of the books I read in July. Well, that's a fair take, though. That's not embarrassing. It's embarrassing for TikTok. You can't spend three minutes hating on Sarah J. Mass. People don't like it very much. Well, it's TikTok. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna go get some sleep and... Hope everyone has a good rest of their week. 
We will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.